0: Praise the Lord. Let's pray this morning before we turn uh, to God's word. Let's lift all these needs to the Lord. Heavenly Father, this morning we just praise you and give you thanks for who you are, what you mean to each of us. We thank you for all that you've done in each of our lives. We thank you for the very breath in our bodies this morning, for health, for strength, for waking us up this morning. Oh God, we thank you, Lord, that this is the day that the Lord has made Thank you, Lord, we can rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we're rejoicing and being glad this morning because of who you are and what you've done in each of our lives. We're thankful that we're saved by the grace of God, and we thank you that you've kept us by your great power. And, oh God, this morning we pray for all the needs that have been mentioned, those that have been publicly mentioned, but the many other needs that have not been brought forth. Oh God, we pray this morning that you would undertake, that you would meet, that you would heal, that you would save, that you would deliver. Lord, we thank you for the great offering that came in last week. Lord, we pray that you would bless it and that you would multiply it and use it for the extension of the kingdom of God. Oh Father, we pray that you continue to bless your work here. We just acknowledge you today. We acknowledge your good hand. We acknowledge that everything that has happened in this place is all because of jesus we thank you that you have done it and lord we give you the glory this morning lord we lift you up today for your faithfulness lord oh god when we have been unfaithful you have been faithful lord when we have failed you have never failed lord we thank you for your blessing upon each family and every life lord associated with the fellowship would you continue to bless them encourage them and strengthen them each family each home provide for them lord we thank you lord oh god that your good hand is upon our lives and oh god this morning we pray lord that you would help us as we turn to your precious word Lord, that you would speak this morning, that you would anoint us this morning, Lord, that we would have ears as we always pray, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church at this time, that you would touch these lips with the living coal of the altar, Lord, that you would anoint us to preach, Lord, that you would anoint us to hear, Lord, as your word goes forth across this land this morning, that you would bless it. Bless those that would bring your word and encourage them and anoint them by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Father, we're praying for a move of God, for a breath of God upon this dear land again. Oh, Jesus, we pray, Lord, there be an awakening, Lord, an awakening amongst your people, a stirring in hearts. Lord, we pray for that harvest of oh God this morning, Lord. Lord, as you've told us to pray for the labourers to go into your harvest. Lord, that there would be a great increase in these days. Father, we're asking, oh, send us the blessed Holy Spirit afresh this morning. And Lord, encourage your hearts through the preaching of your word. Glorify your name. Remember the drive in tonight, Lord, for those that would testify, for those that would minister in song, Lord, for the going forth of your word lord would you bless it would you speak would you save lord would you move in that car park may it be like a place lord that god has visited lord we pray in the name of jesus thanking you that you're not bound by buildings or bricks or walls but oh god that you can visit a car park in balney hinch and save precious souls oh god tonight lord would you move in this land again lord glorify your name we pray in jesus name amen praise the lord amen if you have your bibles this morning would you turn to romans chapter 4 romans chapter 4 if you have your bible there at home uh turn to romans chapter 4 and we're going to read uh, from verse 19 the title of the message this morning And God willing, in the weeks to come as the Lord leads, will be on this subject, is the faith of our fathers, the faith of our fathers. And as you're turning to Romans chapter 4, I just want to share a few things before we come to the reading of God's word, just uh, to to really put in the context, just in some ways, uh, the things that have been uh, over this past week or so have been on. On my own heart, just in preparation and in prayer, uh, just concerning these messages. You know, every believer we we know that we have been born for such a time as this. That can become a bit of a cliche in Christian circles that we are here for such a time as this. But actually, it is not a cliche. It is a reality that this is the life that we live, we've been born in this time, in this generation. By the grace of God, God has saved each one of us. Thank God this morning for the amazing grace of Jesus, that he has saved each of our lives. And, you know, the other side of that is so wonderful because we're so blessed that God has kept us by his power. Not only has he saved us, but God has kept us by his great hand upon our lives and we know then that we've been born and born again for such a time as this that is not just something that should be taken for granted but by the great grace of god and god's providential hand that you've been saved in this generation in this time by god's great purposes being revealed in our lives and you know as we begin to think of that that there's a purpose for our lives and I don't mean that in, just, in some early furry way, but actually there is a divine purpose and call for every life to live for the Lord and to serve him in this generation. This is not a dress rehearsal, we've often said that, but this is the reality of our lives, a walk of faith in this day, in this generation, in the time in which we live, and we are aware of what we're living in the times of what have come to us it is very unusual days but days we know that god has purposed and planned he's on the throne he's divinely purposed these days and he has divinely purposed that your life that the life that you live that he has saved that christ the hope is within us that in this time that we would be a people that would live for him and serve the lord in this generation you know, over the past number of days, <clears throat> I've just been cons- just considering this thought that what will we leave a generation that will come behind us? Because our lives are, are like a vapor of air. We are here for a time. We're called of God. We're purposed of God. And then we'll, we'll go, but the work of the Lord, of the Lord, carries will carry on. And what will we as a people or a generation of believers, what will we leave the, the generation that are coming behind us? Because as I've thought on these things, and I suppose some of the events that have happened even here in recent times of young lives being lost again to suicide, your heart genuinely breaks for lives that are so quickly taken with so much potential and purpose. Young men and young women that feel that there is no purpose in life and their lives are being taken so tragically in our days. And I suppose not only in the sense of the secular world or those that are unsaved, but even amongst our own young believers in our fellowship and in the church circle collectively, we see that probably more than ever before, and I do believe this, <clears throat> that the desires and the hopes and the ambitions of a generation that comes from behind us are so easily captivated by a very powerful worldly system that is continually luring our young people's potential and their ambition away into a world that is, is so potent in its ability to captivate them with all the different media and all the different means and platforms that can be used to captivate the mind of our young, captivate the mind of the middle aged, and even captivate the mind of the older, because we know that this this flesh is the same, whether it's young or whether it's old. But we know that when we become grounded in the things of God and walk with God, that we know that even in the greater sense that our complete reliance is on him to, to live this life by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the faith of God that is in us. But we see a generation coming up that are being so easily captivated by the things of the world and that's a very powerful system. It, it really has in many tools if you like in order to grasp the the desires the potential the ambitions the hopes of our young people and lure them away into that world and the question really is this morning as we look at this subject the faith of our fathers the faith of our fathers the faith of this present generation my faith your faith and the faith that we will leave our sons and our daughters to come Behind us, because we we're here for a purpose, and we want to, and in, in some ways, to leave a legacy that they can walk in and know the reality of that. And so, we're going to look at this this morning. That's basically the context of what has just been on my heart, and then looking at God's word in Romans chapter four. We have our Bibles, verse nineteen. We look at the father of the faith. His name is Abraham. And the Bible says concerning Abraham in Romans 4.19, And being not weak in faith, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. So the faith that he had had no respect to the deadness that was in him or the deadness that was around him in verse 20 it says that he staggered not at the promise of god through unbelief now it says these words but was strong in faith not weak in faith but strong in faith giving the glory to god verse 21 says that he was a man that was fully persuaded that regardless of the deadness that was around him and the deadness of sarah's womb and the deadness even that he was experiencing himself, but it says that he was fully persuaded that what he had promised, that is what God had promised, he also was able to perform. In other words, he had a faith in God and a faith in the word of God that what God had said, God himself was also able to perform that was the strength of his faith he was not weak in this but he was strong in this the world could not entice him away even though we know that there was failure in the life but ultimately there was a heart that believed God there was a heart that was fixed on God there was a heart that was persuaded that what God had said God also was able to perform. He believed in the power of God's word, that God's word was a word that could be held to, that could be believed in, and that God was faithful to his word, that God had the ability to perform what he had said in God alone. And so we read this of Abraham, that this covenant that God made, this promise that he made with them, that God that God himself was able to perform it and in that life that he lived that full life of Abraham right from the very calling in that God had called him back in Genesis chapter 12 we see that this was a man that was fixed strong in his faith in that what God had said he would do that God was able to do it. that God was able to perform it this is the faith of our fathers this is the faith of That we should have in this present hour. There's not two types of faith or three types of faith. The Bible says that there's one faith. This is the faith of our fathers. This is the faith that we should live by. And this is the faith that we should operate in. And this is also the faith that we should believe in the generation that comes behind us. In Genesis chapter 12 it tells us there of the promise that God had made to Abraham. It says now the Lord said unto Abram get thee out of thy country from thy kindred from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee I will make thy name great and I shall be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And Abraham obeyed the Lord. And he walked believing in the promise that God had given him. And God blessed him. And God fulfilled his covenant and his word with him. This is the faith that we're talking about this morning. Is it the faith that we function in to believe God? The Bible tells us that they that know their God shall be strong. They shall first be strong and they will do exploits. And this is the faith that those generations that followed after Abraham, Abraham being the father of the faith, but the generations then that followed him, young men would rise up and they would walk in the faith that Abraham had displayed through believing in the word of God, that God, what God had said, God was also able to perform. Even though years would pass, even though generations would pass, even though centuries would sometimes pass, But they would lay hold of the word of the Lord. They would lay hold of the promises of God. They would believe that the God who said it is also the God that is able to perform it. And this was the faith of our fathers. This is the faith of our fathers. This is the faith of the church of Jesus Christ. Now I want us to go back to a man this morning who walked in the faith of his fathers who actually walked, the young man who walked, who was raised up by the Lord to walk in the faith of his fathers. His name is well known and his stories are well known. The account of his life is so well known. But I want us to look at him afresh this morning. His name's Joshua. Here's a man that walked in the reality of the faith of his fathers. We know him and pick up on his life when he went in. Uh, to spy out the land we remember the story well it's very familiar to us but but we must know this morning that as he goes into that promised land with the other 11 spies we know josh and caleb spied out the land they seen what other men did not see they seen a god who was able other men seen the giants but they seen a god who was bigger than the giants and so we see this young man that he's now he has the faith of his father, the father Abraham, our faith. And he believes the Lord. He comes back and brings he brings a good report. And we know that that report was rejected by the masses. So the, the, the popularity of the day or the popular opinion of the day was contrary to Joshua and Caleb. It's one of the hardest things, I believe, for our young people today is to make a stand because... The most don't want to make a stand. The majority are going a certain way, a worldly way, going the way the things of the world. But <clears throat> the most are going that way. But it's, it's not an easy thing to make a stand like Joshua and Caleb had said Look, we have seen this land. We know that there are giants, but our God is able to do this. We serve functioning in the faith of his father Abraham. We know that our God is able to deliver them into our hands. But we see that the popular opinion was contrary to what they believed. But then faith must be tested. And I just encourage every one of us this morning. Our faith is on trial in these days because it's not so much what the popular opinion is and there is a popular opinion. Even uh, could I say in the broader sense of the church today? But but you know, we have to be persuaded. We must know whom we have believed in and who and, and we are persuaded that he is able. We must know that, that that faith that God is looking for that pleases him, that believes that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so we see that the faith then that, that he displayed that day when he When he confessed or professed with his mouth that our God is able to do it, it's one thing to say, but then his faith would have to live through 40 years of unbelief, have to live in a generation that had rejected God, have to walk through it as a minority, as a few. Have to walk through all that unbelief and all that murmuring and all that complaining. But it was his faith in God that carried him through. He believed in a God. He seen beyond the, the murmuring and the complaining and the opinions and all the things that were happening in Israel at that time. But they had seen something that no one else could see. Their eyes that could see that no other man could see. Because those men's eyes were darkened through unbelief. And so it wasn't the popular opinion, but it was their faith. It was their faith in God, just like the faith of their father, our father, Abraham, who is the father of us all, the Bible says. And so we see that Joshua then goes through the 40 years. And here he is walking through all of that unbelief, just like this world today, an unbelieving world, a world that has rejected God, a world that is in darkness, a world that is waxing worse and worse. And a layer, the same spirit that there is across the church and a collective sense, and yet there was these few men in the midst of it all that, that were going to believe God, faith, a real faith in this God, that what God said he would do to God, He God Himself is able to perform it. Not them, but God was able to do it. And so we come to a very significant time in the life of Joshua. Because after they traveled through that whole wilderness experience of 40 years, the faith that he had, he still had in God, all of that which was around him never could end on him. But he believed God and he knew that God was able. Moses, the servant of the Lord, dies. And if you go into Joshua chapter 1 for a moment, now I just want to say just something as you turn in there. Joshua chapter 1 this is 700 years or so approximately this is 700 years after Abraham had been called and had been given the covenant or the promise on Abraham now here is a several hundred years or 700 years after that time if you think about that for a moment because in the calendar of things here 700 years later there is a young man still in that sense uh, Believe in the promises of God. You know, the promises of God never change because God doesn't change. His word is true. And it's a living word. It's a powerful word. And so when we read the word of God, even though that it was inspired in but the put the paper 2,000 years ago or 1,900 years ago by men of God and the apostles, the word of God is a powerful thing. When men take it for what it says, literally, and believe the word of God through faith, that what God says, he's also able to perform it. Here's Joshua 700 years later after the faith of Abraham is exercised, and the covenant is given to Abraham, that there was a land that God would give them, and God would bless them. Here is a a man 700 years later Living in the reality and believing the promises of God that there's a land for us and I'm going to function that faith in God. In Joshua 1 and verse 2, we just read these verses if we can. Joshua 1 and 2, Moses, my servant is dead, now therefore arise, go over this Jordan now and all this people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel, and every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee on the days of your life, God said, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. God said, I will not fail thee, I will not forsake thee. Joshua, be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall thy divide for inheritance the land that I swear unto their fathers to give them. So here we see that Joshua is operating and functioning in the faith of his fathers in the promises that was given, that there was a land, and now God is speaking to encourage the young heart of Joshua to say, now this is the time for you to enter into this land, Joshua. This is the time for you to go forth and to to function in the faith, the faith of your fathers and the promises that I have given several hundred years, 700 years previous to this. Now here's the promise, you take this promise, Joshua, You make your step, Joshua. You go in, Joshua. You walk in my way. You follow my word. You walk in my ways and I will bless you, Joshua. You walk in the way of the Lord and I will go before you. And every place that your feet stand, the sole of your feet, I'm going to give you that land. These are awesome things. And here he's encouraged to be strong and of good courage. He's encouraged to, 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 to go forward. and the the promises of god verse 7 says the lord says again only be thy strong and courageous that thou mayest observe to do all to do according to all the law which moses my servant commanded thee now joshua don't turn to the right or to the left hand what he's saying is you know what's happening today is it's a tragedy it should break us but you know what is happening. God said, Don't turn to the left or to the right. Don't be lured away by the power of this unbelieving word. And more than ever, you know, I believe what's what the Lord has saying here. Here's the way. Walk ye in it. This is the way of blessing. This is the way of a great blessing that I have. But don't be lured away. And more than ever before, you know, as we were often rightly criticized because they were always looking at the other nations they were always looking at what they had they were looking at their gods they were looking at what possessions they had and israel would look away and then they would be ensnared by the things of the world a man is drawn away by his own lust and this is such a lust of world because everything is driven to grasp our attention and our emotions and especially when we're younger as men and women there is much more of a of a desire there's much more things awakened in our lives and so the world is so clever today it's so subtle today it is so it is so powerful and it means that it it can entice and draw away by all the different platforms that that we see today i'm not just putting those things down they they but i want to be real that the power of those things are able to get into the heart of a man and to draw him into that world. We we read of it in a literal sense for for the likes of Samson and Delilah and how she seduced him and and, and persuaded him and and, and continually came to him to draw him in and to take a, a man that was anointed of the lord but to take him and to strip him of everything of his integrity to pull out his eyes to cut his hair to make him a laughing stock to this world and that's that is the subtlety of the old enemy do you entice to, to lure away god sent joshua here is a great purpose for your life here's a great plan for your life but don't turn to the left don't turn to the right don't do your own thing because that world will ensnare you and take you away and strip you of everything of your dignity and your integrity and your calling and your purpose joshua you fix your eyes on jesus you get your focus on the things which are above because god had a purpose for that life and friend this morning it's so important we we see these great uh, these great instructions that come from the lord as a man has a faith, but God saying, no, "I want you to walk this way. This is how this faith functions. This is how it operates. This is how my blessing will be upon your life." But don't be, don't be lured away, Joshua. Don't be turning to the right or to the left, and not friend, this morning. I, I just, with all, with all sincerity, just, oh God, you know, our young people, our young people are being lured away. I know it's the lust of our own flesh. I stand before you this morning, friend. I know it too well in my own life as a young man and how the battles and the struggles were there. But friend, this morning, I want to encourage you. You know, there's don't turn to the left or to the right. Get your eyes upon the Lord. There's a faith. It's the faith of God in you, but there's a faith that you can live by that will bring the blessing of the Lord to your life. And so the Lord says, you'll prosper. Turn not to the right or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou meet thy way, for then thou shalt meet the way prosperous. And then I shall have good success. I want to be successful. I want to be prosperous. But well, I want to tell you, friend, that people might manipulate this, the meager financial. But this morning I want to tell you the most blessed and the most prosperous man is the man that walks in the way of the Lord, is the man, the Psalm one man, that, that, that is blessed of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord's upon his life because he walks in his way. And here God has instructed give him good advice. Give him good advice to the, the servant of the Lord as he's entering into the land. You know, we know the conquest, that great book of Joshua, the great conquest, which is a shadow, really, of the great victory of Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, Joshua's conquest for the land It's just merely a shadow, it's merely a shadow of the great victory of, of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and through Calvary and through the resurrection and the power of God raising him from the dead. And he rose triumphant over all the powers of darkness this morning, his name is Jesus. We take out these great principles and scriptural truths this morning as we look at this man Joshua. You see, he had a passion to leave the generation that was coming behind him with the faith that had been given to him. This is important, the faith of our fathers. We see it here with Joshua. He had a desire that when he seen the great hand of the Lord, look at the life that he lived, look at the victories that God had given him. He had to go through the wilderness and everything of what happened there. I suppose sometimes, friends, when we speak of revival, We too often are focused, if I could put it this way, on the romance of revival, on the great manifestations of revival. And we look at the lives of these men or Joseph and we look at a Joshua of a 40 year wilderness experience. Or we look at a Paul and when he says the words that I fully preach the gospel with mighty signs and wonders, Jerusalem up to Elacrim. And we say, well, that is just the romance of revival. But friends, here's the reality of faith. They lived in prisons. They were tortured. They were beaten. They were whipped. They were rejected. They they often had to stand alone. But that's the reality of revival. that's the reality of a walk of faith. That's the reality of a life lived for God. There's troubles. There's trials. There's storms. But praise the Lord that he's always with us. And so we cannot... Just paint one type of picture of the the romance of revival. And those things are real, but it's the reality of an everyday walk with Jesus. It's a reality of living life every day. Good days, bad days, storms, clouds. Things happen, things come, disappointments, things change in life. But you see, it's a faith in God that's going to bring us through. A faith in a God that's able to perform what he said he would do. And so Joshua wanted to leave a faith for a generation that was coming behind him. He's seen the mighty hand of God. They went through that Jordan as the Jordan parted. And they seen them going into that promised land. We see the Jericho walls coming down. Here is the great, if you like, the great romance of, of all the great victories of God. But here is a life of faith and the great victories that God would begin to give him. You get to the end of his life, a man who walked in the faith of his fathers. He wanted to give the generation that was coming behind him, the faith that had been given to him. He wanted, as it were, to pass a baton on to the next generation. Do we want to leave something of substance? Do we want to leave something behind because of the life that we live? Because of the testimony that we have, do we want to give something? I mean this for everyone of any age, because if it's not for our sons, perhaps it's for our sons, sons, and so forth, our grandchildren, that we want to leave something behind of a life lived for God, a faith in God, knowing that this is the way that they can walk in that faith, as an example. Well, Joshua wanted to leave something And if you turn into Joshua chapter 24 this morning, I'm going to read a few verses there. Here at the end of his life and the great conquest, Joshua is calling Israel together. And he begins to testify. You can read the whole chapter, but he begins to testify of all the great things that the Lord has done. You know, it's good to testify of what God has done, good to remember. Even as a fellowship with great things that the Lord has done for us. Great things the Lord has done for his people here in Balmahed. Great things, the blessing of the Lord. Great interventions, great provision, great deliverances, great healings, great salvation. God has visited his people. It's good to bring those testimonies, afraid. We should never get tired of hearing the great things that the Lord has done. And Joshua gathers Israel together to a place called Shechem. Joshua chapter 24, and here he renews, here he renews the testimonies, and then he warns as well against departing from the Lord, against departing from the way of the Lord, what God had said in his word. You know, what we leave behind, and what we give the people behind us is so important. The life that we live, the life that we display, the example that we set for other believers, You know, if we're a Sunday school teacher and we work in whatever capacity within the fellowship, you know, there's always someone that's coming behind you that's watching how you live. There's always someone that's looking at the example that you leave because our young people are always watching and actually pick up far more than what we ever would recognise. You see, there's something more valuable than leaving them silver and gold and that's not a wrong thing but friends as the world are consumed with leaving making sure they leave plenty in the material sense for their sons and their daughters that's not a wrong thing but there's something more valuable than that that we can leave them and that's a faith in god and a testimony and a life lived for jesus christ joshua at the end of his life calls israel together to give testimony and to leave him the example of the great things that the lord has done joshua 24 if you have your bibles first one says and joshua gathered all the tribes of israel to shechem called for the elders of israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and they presented themselves before god and joshua said unto all the people Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt in the other side of the flood in old time. Even Terah the father of Abraham, the father of Nechor, and served other gods. And then it says, and I took your father Abraham, now here Josh is referencing the faith of the fathers. Your father Abraham from the other side of the flood. I led him throughout all the land in Canaan, multiplied a seed, and gave him Isaac, I, what God has said, I have been faithful, because there was a man that took my word, heard my call, took my word, believed my word, was fully persuaded that what I'd said to him I would do, I'm also able to perform that. And now Joshua reverses at the end of his life to the faith of his father, our father Abraham. It's very significant this morning in Scripture. Places. Places become a very significant part in God's Word. But he calls Israel to a place called Shechem. Shechem. And this is a significant place in biblical history, if you like. Here Joshua is standing declaring to them, the faith of his father reminding him of what, what he did, how he lived, and the blessing of the Lord upon his life. But Shechem was a city, or was a province, a place that his, one of the patriarchs, Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, had come to. And the context of this, just for a moment, if I could just move to this. The context of all of this was Jacob, if you remember, the man that wrestled with God, the man that God had purposed and called, he he had a a strange relationship with his brother Esau. And God had turned the heart of Esau. You remember in Genesis, back in Genesis thirty-two, that Jacob, in some way, was apprehensive about meeting again because of the strain of that relationship but he prayed that God would turn the heart of Esau and God did turn the heart of Esau. When they met, there was a great reconciliation. And then Jacob, just like his grandfather, it tells us in Genesis 33 and 18 that Jacob came, just after that, to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Badan and pitched his tent before the city. In other words, just like his grandfather, he pitched his tent in a land that God had promised, but in a land that they had not yet possessed. It's so important that we see the principles of faith. He pitched his tent in a land that they had not possessed, but in a land that God had promised. And he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of him or Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money and he erected there an altar and he called that altar el el Israel, that is simply God, the mighty God of Israel. So for a moment, if you you grasp this, I know we're talking about Joshua at the end of his life and he gathers the people to a place called Shechem. He speaks about his father, Abraham, but where he's standing is so significant because what he said is, this is the place that our father, Jacob, one of our patriarch fathers, that he purchased a portion of land here, that he invested. He had the faith to believe in a land that they did not possess, but in a land that was promised to them. They took literally the word of God and they believed that what God had said that God had promised that the same God that said it and had promised it was the same God that was also able to perform it. And so Jacob, not only did he, you know, we have positive confession today in the church. In other words, if you speak something, that's enough, you're going to get it. But friends, that's not the faith of this book. Let me tell you what the faith of this book is. Not only did he believe this, but he was willing to sacrifice for it. In other words, he invested in that parcel of land. He purchased it with a hundred pieces of silver. And he believed, God, that this parcel of land that he had purchased in Canaan, that that was the land that God had given him. And that's the land that God is able, that able to perform, to bless his people with. And so we see Jacob pitching his tent because he believed the Lord now, just for a moment, just to show you the faith of our fathers and how they passed the battle of faith throughout the generations, that even after 700 years, the promises of God were as real and as true, and as Jacob laid hold of them and as Joshua laid hold of them, that the blessing of the Lord was upon them. Jacob purchased the parcel of land in, in, in Shechem. Now, we, again, just, it is an amazing book and it is amazing how God ties all of these things together because he's sovereign over all things. But you remember at the end of Joseph, his life, and I go over working through some things this morning, but if you remain with me, you'll see it. I pray God will show you and how he stirred and blessed my heart in this. But at the end of the life of Joseph, the son of Jacob, we know again the story and the life of Joseph. And all that he had to go through and at the end of that life been able to say what well, everything you have meant for evil, God's meant for good. God's turned this all around but he had to go through all of that. That's the reality of revival. And then there was the whole romance of the, 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 the whole reconciliation and then the wagons coming and the revival breaking forth. But at the end of his life, Genesis 15 verse 24 Joseph said unto his brethren, I'm going to die. You see, I'm dying. That's what he said. Just like Joshua. But I want to let you know, I want to pass something on to this next generation. Every one of these men of faith had a heart to pass something on. They weren't just living for themselves. They weren't just in it for them. But they wanted to give something to another generation that was coming behind them. Now what did Joseph say? Genesis fifty twenty four 24. He says, I'm dying. I'll die. But God's going to visit you. That's what he said. God will visit you. Here's a promise. He knew that God was able to perform his word. He knew in the power of believing in the word of the Lord. God's going to visit you and bring you out of this land, onto the land which he swore to Abraham. The father of this faith to isaac and to jacob and joseph took a oath of the children of israel saying god will visit you and ye shall carry up my bones from hence so joseph died a hundred and ten years they unbound him and they put him in a coffin in egypt the promise that he gave according to the word of the lord not his own idea or his own thought but what was given to abraham he said god's going to visit actually he said it twice god's going to visit you people he said, I'm going to come. God's going to visit you. Think about that. He's about to leave the scene of time, but he puts everything of his faith and the power of God's word, like what God said. He's able to perform it just like what he said to Abraham, our father. And so we see in all of this that Joseph said he makes a, a clause if you like in the promise he says my bones aren't staying here a few years ago i preached in this here about the bones of joseph but he dies around 1800 bc and the next time you read of the bones of joseph as far as i can see it's in our reading in joshua chapter 24 so taking you on a bit of a journey there but if you stick with it it's just amazing the word of god the providential hand of god the power of God's word. When people believe the word of the Lord, that God's word is so real. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 28, we see here is Josh this is what it says Joshua let the people depart after telling them and passing on the baton to them, every man unto his inheritance. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old, and they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Sarah, which is in Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gesh. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel, and the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought, of the sons of him or the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. Brothers and sisters, when people function in faith, you know we may not see the fruit of that in a day, or in a year, or in 10 years, or in 40 years, or in 80 years, or even in a hundred years but some of the fruit of what we're reading about came to pass after several hundred years but you see because they had the mind that that mind was a kingdom mind that they seen beyond the present to see into the eternal and through eyes of faith that they invested in a world that they never possessed but their children were coming behind them and their children could walk in live in the victory that they have fought for in faith and believed for and lived for so a generation behind them could enter into the promise of God, into the victory of God, into all the blessings of the Lord because people sacrificed faith and they sacrificed themselves and they invested in that kingdom and they placed their investment in a land that they themselves would never possess, but their children would. Friends, what will we leave the generation that comes behind us? The faith of our fathers was not just something that they did for themselves, but the faith of our fathers was a faith that would leave a legacy for their children that we come. And friends, this morning, whatever capacity we're serving in, you're serving in a Sunday school class. You're investing in another world. This is not just a push in and on a Sunday morning. But you're investing in precious lives. You're investing, as Andy and Ruth do, our Thursday nights. They know this more than, probably better than any of us. As they've been faithful over all those years, they're investing in those we life. I'm so thankful that these people have invested in our children. But they know it's beyond this present life. This is a reality of faith, that the fruit of that, you know, we may never see the fruit of all that we invest. But one day, you know, God has promised that there is a harvest, there is an increase, and only God can give the increase. But let's not be weary in investing in the kingdom and invest in our lives, our time, our finances, everything in a world beyond this world, that we store up the treasures which are in heaven. You know, we're out in those streets and there's no one. It seems like there's nothing. It seems like no one's responding. It seems like no one's getting saved. Oh, but friend, I tell you, And we keep sowing the precious seed of the Word of God, and we keep sowing into this world and into the hearts of people, I know we become discouraged at times. I know we feel that we'll faint. But friends, if we continue to invest into these young people, if, if those in our youth continue to invest in our youth, and you might see that there's nothing, there's no growth, there's no encouragement, it can at times become discouraged. But friend, I want to tell you, we're investing in another kingdom. And this God, this God of this book, the father of our faith, Abraham and all the fathers throughout the generations, knew this one thing, that what God himself has said, he is also able to perform. So we cannot become weary and in investing and giving ourselves in the ministry and giving ourselves to this other kingdom because Friends, there comes a time that we reap it. we do not faint. We may not literally see it in our lifetime, but there'll be a harvest of souls that we'll see when we get to eternity. You may never know until we get to the other side, but faith enables us to lift our eyes up of the natural and see beyond the present realm. This generation was going to live in the bounty and the sacrifice and sometimes the, the blood and the sweat of another, they were going to enter into the fullness of other what others had paid for, gave themselves for. You know, it's a tragedy in the day in which we live that a generation doesn't know what to appreciate, the liberties that we even have as a nation. It's a tragedy, friends, that we don't even understand or realise. And they're lost in the world. They're being captivated with many causes. And some of those causes are just. But friends, there is one great cause. And that's the cause of Jesus Christ. Because we don't have to worry if we're in Christ about racism, about bigotry, about hatred. Because in Christ we're all one. It sets us free from all of these things. You see, the problem is in racism. The problem is in hatred. Listen to me, friend. The great problem is the heart of man. It's desperately wicked and it's full of sin. But when the love of Christ fills a life or fills a heart, he gives you a love for your fellow fellow human citizen. And friend, to scorn him, that's the real issue. Are we investing in another kingdom? That we get caught in the things of this world and the affairs of this world. You know, the Bible says that we become entangled in the affairs of this world. We can't find a good fight. We can't fight a good warfare when we become entangled. But this faith, friend, Josh is leaving a generation. He's leaving it all with the great testimony of the Lord. To walk in his ways, to know him, to know this Christ. They live according to his word. Whether the popular opinions that way or not. It won't be. But this is a courage to believe the Lord. Enter into the fullness of what God has for us. What a reminder it is of everything. Of what Jesus has done for us. Through the cross. He paid it all. With his own blood. His own tears. His own sweat. The agony of Christ on the cross. But it's through that cross that he's given us. This morning, the victory. Friends, the Bible tells us that we're to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings. He's loved us with an everlasting love, washed us with His own blood, cleansed us from all our sin, made us kings and priests all through the victory of the cross friends what will we give the generation to come the faith of our fathers is it our faith is it my faith and is it the faith that we'll give our young people that are coming behind us may god challenge us to turn to his word to believe his word that what he said he would do friends it may have lain dormant in a sense in the hearts of many people, the promises lay dormant in the heart. But when someone exercises the faith of God in God's word, I'll tell you, we serve a God that's able to do the impossible. May it be alive in us. May it be real. And may we leave a faith and a victory that they can enter into. May God help us all, challenge us all, pray for our generation to come. If the Lord carries, pray that God would set them all ablaze with his love, that they would know him, walk with him, regardless of what the popular opinion is, live for God and know the great blessing of the Lord in their lives. Let's pray together this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that these stammering words this day, oh God, that your heart would be displayed, your passion, your purpose, your plan, O oh God, I pray this morning that above everything that you will be glorified through the preaching of your word that we be challenged to live a life that's pleasing to God and that men can see that Jesus is alive. Lord, I pray, O oh God, Lord, may the attraction, may the love of God draw us. Lord, young and old alike, may we just live this life to please you. Bless your word, Lord. We give you praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.